seated. Bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here. I hope that we as a body make you feel like we're glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. On a time change. It snowed last week. Time changed this week. Everything trying to keep us from being at church. Forgive me last week for not being here in the uh, eight years I've been on staff with this church. I've never called in sick. Uh, I, I almost showed up just so I wouldn't have to break that record. But I stood in my bathroom at 7 o'clock that morning and couldn't continue to stand up. If I could have just at least stood up and got through it, I would have, but I just couldn't. And um, so thankful for health. Can we be thankful today? Thankful for health. Even though I'm not 100%, I'm thankful that I'm not where I was last week. And uh, I thank my creator that knew how to create us so that we could recover. God is a healer. But he also has created us to get through things. Do you know that? We're called and we are expected to get through things. Not to get beat up by them, and that includes a cold. You know, sometimes we get stomach bugs or the flu or whatever it was that we had this weekend, this last weekend. And sometimes I wonder, God, why don't you just heal me right now and just not let me have to deal with this? But I believe the Lord's saying, you know, if I just rescued you out of every test before it even started, you'd never grow. And... You know what, I need, I, I've not had a fever, I don't think, since I was a child. I can't remember, maybe I've just never checked my temperature. Now I have a wife that likes to take temperatures. <laughs> not now I have one, I've always had one. But <clears throat> I finally thought, well, why not? Maybe I do have a big one, then I'll have a big story to tell. But it, it gave me the, uh, it, it enabled me to be more merciful on my children when they get temperatures. You know, we, we kind of, we, I'm the type that unless they're bleeding or in the hospital, they need to go to school. They need to be doing their homework. You know what? One of the reasons why I never missed school is I didn't want to stay home. <laughs> my sisters were older than me and they were gone. My parents put me to work. They did. They put me to work. You're not going to sit around and we only had three channels to watch and Sesame Street went off at 9 o'clock. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to school. But we go through things in order to get us somewhere. We're going somewhere. Do you guys know as a church, we, we're, we are to be going somewhere. We are not to get to a point and stop. And you know what? It feels uncomfortable. Let me tell you what. I have been more uncomfortable this week than I have been since I've been at this church. It's been good, though. It's like when, when Ruth Ann, and I'm going to use this again, when Ruth Ann was laying there with her head bulged out and bleeding and the motorcycle's on wide open, going wide open, I can't get it shut off. The God says, I'm here, and you can trust me. You've got to trust me. Many of us are going through so many things. You individually are going through so many things, and we need to get through it. We don't need to be rescued out of it before we get through it. We need to get through it. You hear me? The end of a thing is better than the beginning. We need to get to the end. 
Can you imagine being a child of Israel and, and being rescued out of slavery? And you're on your way out. And all of a sudden we're up against the water and here comes the army. And how quickly we lose faith. That's something God's been dealing with me this week. You know, we're looking at some major changes, and I know we look around the room and think we've got some empty holes. Well, I'm going to sell you today. I'm going to sell you God today. Okay? We do not operate by what we see. If we do, we're going down. Look at our economy. If you go based on what the economy's doing, let me tell you, you're, you're going down. We can't go by what we see. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sell you today. I've had such a hard time. I, I feel like sometimes I, I don't want... It's like talking to you guys about this song that we wrote. And I didn't want to share it. I don't want to point any direction to me, but I'm not. I'm pointing it to God. I could never write a song. It was God that gave it to me. He gave me the words. He gave me the, the thought, the idea. And then I got with Pastor Zach and Zach... Zach just took it for about a day, and next thing you know, there it is. And I'm like, I could never do that. I wasn't called to do that. He and I were called to do something together. And I couldn't see it. I kept trying to get it out myself, and I couldn't. You know what? I'm not called to go by myself. I need y'all to go with me. I have never sold myself, I don't think, from this pulpit, but today I'm kind of I'm going to do it. I, I hate to say that we've got to grab hold of a man, but in a church, God's put me in place. I need y'all to grab hold of me. Because it's going to get uncomfortable? Probably. I, I guarantee you. God does not call us to be comfortable. He calls us to move. Now, today I'm asking you, it's time, it's time to move. And I'm telling you, it's not about us. Let me tell you, it's not about me. If it was about me, I'd love to just stay right in my little comfort zone and what's working. Because you know what? We've been delivered in our finances. We have been having healings happen left and right. We've been having breakthroughs in marriages and in relationships. The baptisms we had today was outstanding. We have got so many things going well. Why would we change it? Why, God? (laughs) God. Why? Why? Why, God? Did you know that the Word of God is in favor of church growth? I think we would all agree that the purpose Jesus came here to this earth was to die. Was Jesus' purpose to come to earth to die? Yes. He came to die for the redemption of humankind. We sang this morning, it's your blood that paid for my redeeming, that paid for my restoring, that guarantees my healing. By what Jesus did on the cross, he did it all. Do you think when Jesus came to this earth, change was coming for him? Think about what he had to go through. And it wasn't about him at all. He did it for us. He did it for us. The cross accompanied by the resurrection as we're coming into this Easter season, it is the central part of our human history. Jesus himself said in Luke 19, chapter 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Who are the lost? Who are the lost? There are obviously people in the world who have yet to hear and accept the good news that Jesus on the cross died for their sins. I ask you to forgive me. I'm going to drink while I'm preaching. It's okay. I'm not driving. When they believe that, when they believe that Jesus died on the cross and they acknowledge Jesus as Savior... They are reconciled back to God. Can we get a picture that the lost is separated from God? And when we get saved, we are reconciled back to God. I think we kind of lose the picture. We, we have so watered down salvation that we don't realize 
that we are restored in God's eyes. Let's just look. Everyone's going to know this scripture. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave that which was most precious to him. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever. Whoever believes. It is available to all, which we're going to see as as the morning goes on. But how is the communication, how is the good news of salvation to be communicated to the lost? Jesus himself is not doing it, nor will he do it. Do you hear me? He has chosen to delegate that responsibility to us. At one point, he compared the lost people of the world to harvest fields, and he commanded his disciples in Matthew 9, 38 to pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God is the one who ripens the harvest. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God is a God of increase. Many of you today are struggling in your job and in your life and in your finances. I want you to know God wants increase in your life. And it's not selfish to desire blessing or increase. God is a God of increase. He didn't come for you to live in the the gutter. Trying to squeeze two nickels together. Holy Spirit, I just acknowledge you and I just ask you to move in this place. And I ask you, Lord, that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to speak what the Father is saying. And Lord, that we would hear one voice this morning. Lord, that the voice that I give would be your voice. And Lord, I've asked for an anointing. I've asked for your Spirit to fill me. And Lord, I believe that you do it. And Lord, I believe that as I speak, your word's going to come out. Now, Lord, help me to have the courage to say the truth and to say the right thing at this moment. Lord, I ask that your word be released in this place. And, Lord, that this body be able to receive it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. But while God ripens the harvest, he does not reap the harvest. He expects us to be agents of reaping. This is an awesome responsibility. Jesus said to his disciples in John 20, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Something I'm struggling with as a pastor and as just a Christian, people would come up and Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven. And this scripture is saying, if we forgive the sins of any, can you see that there is a connection here with us and people that are going through sin? And Jesus said that we do what we've seen him do. He got disciples so they would see what he did and they would follow. Can we take our ministry to another step saying, look, you need to come to Jesus and I'm going to lay hands on you that your sins are going to be forgiven. Do I have the power to forgive sin? I think we do. It's not our power. It's what's flowing through us. Can we get the impact of what our ministry is to be? This sin out here in the world, we have impact on. The sin uh, that's going on in the church, we have the ability to get through it. The sin that's going on outside the doors of our church, we have the answer. Not only for them to be forgiven of their sin, but to make it to heaven and not live the rest of their life burning and it is real church they will literally burn the rest of their life anybody here ever been burned praise god it stops praise god we're smart enough to get away from it and it can heal 
Those that go to hell will not get away from it and will be in that kind of pain forever. Pastor preaching hellfire and damnation, that was back in the 50s and 60s. You know what? It scared the hell out of a lot of people. It is time we start making impact and start believing that we can do it. We have got to get a hold of God's word and start. We, we don't need to just be hearers. We need to be doers. You know, if we're busy doing, these little details kind of disappear. Can you imagine? And I know everybody, there are so many disadvantages in, a, in our minds to two services. And I'm with you. But can you imagine bringing lost people in here and them being saved and it's part of your, your fishing? Man, I don't really like getting up at this time. It seems like our fellowship's all whacked out. I've got half my friends over here and half my friends over there. But look, there's Joe. I've had a part in that. God, give me that. I'm to harvest that. Give me that. I'm sorry, anybody here named Joe. Joe sorry, of all people. We've been praying for you to get saved. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I hope Joe can take me. I have not, I haven't gone down that road with him. He did. I love you, brother. Any attention the sound guy gets is always negative attention. It's never positive attention. Let me just give a shout out. Go hug his neck. Tell him thank you. Without the sound guy, it's not going to sound very good. Sorry, Joe. (laughs) But if our focus can be on the lost, if our focus can be on bringing in those that are hurting, that really need breakthrough, that's going through a divorce, that's going through a tortured life, and our focus turns from what we feel comfortable and feel good about to what God has called us to do, let me tell you, He's going to fulfill you in a way that no matter what we do in here in this service, it's not going to be the same. What I mean is from a human perspective, whether we play the song you like or whether we have the temperature the way you like it or whether the lights are right or whether we start at 8.15 or whether we start at 2 o'clock. When we get tapped into God's call, all these things are going to fall fall behind. You know what? Who cares what color the carpet is? My wife does. But really, when my face is down here in this rug, you think I'm caring about what color the carpet is? I'm desperate for a move of God. And God wants to move regardless of the color of the carpet. Nobody's been fussing over the carpet. I'm just bringing it up. Churches split over carpet color. They do. Isn't that silly? If we do not carry the gospel message... The lost will remain lost. Romans says in Romans 10, 14, It says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they perish unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet are those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's you. How good are your feet that carry the gospel with you? You know, I've got some people here in this church that the Lord's moving in them to speak to people that we think in our minds don't want to hear it. God says, stop a minute and let's talk to these individuals right here. But God, don't you know them? Don't you know me? Don't you know how I'm going to be looked at? I know what they're going to think of me. I'm some flake, holy roller. But yet in obedience... These individuals go ahead and do it. And you know what? They want it. They want it. They want it. Can you imagine you being lost and how much you would like someone to be speaking to you? Someone would care enough about you to talk to you? It was this scripture in mind that Jesus gave his very last command to his followers. He came to earth. 
He lived a sinless life. He taught his disciples. He was executed on a cross. He rose from the dead. And then he appeared again to his disciples for 40 days. And after all of this, the last thing he said before he was taken up in a cloud was, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Fill us, Holy Spirit. You know, when Peter preached, preached, when Peter preached, the group didn't ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just baptized them. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't know what we need. We don't know what to ask for, but you do. And Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, that a holy equipping, that this Acts 1-8 be released upon church on the hill, that we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that it shall come upon us and we shall be able to and be victorious in witnessing of Jesus in Allgood, in Cookville, in Putnam County, Lord, and in our state of Tennessee and in the United States, Lord. That we would do this. Lord, you know I've not been a very evangelistic preacher, but Lord, your calling is to be evangelistic. And Lord, for our focus to get off of ourselves and on to those that are hurting. Help us, Lord. If we fail to take seriously this great commission, we have missed the central point of Christianity. What God expects of us in fulfilling this great commission is is a little bit clearer in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. (coughs) Go. Three action verbs in this statement. Go. Baptize. And teach. Did you know you can baptize somebody? You know, I don't know how we could ever do this, but our church has a history back before a few years ago of a there, there's a creek that we would bab, that people from this church would be baptized in. I love that. And you know what? The pastor doesn't have to do everything. This calling is not to, to pastors only. It's, this calling is to everyone that receives Jesus Christ. Go. Baptize. Teach. You know what this is saying? Do something. Do something. Jesus said another point of his ministry. Announce the purpose of his coming by declaring... I will build my church. And I, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I want you to know, those of you that have been with us for a while, we have seen destruction happen in our church. I want you to know it's not going to happen this time. Not based on who your pastor is or who your staff is, but based on who God is and we're going to follow him. I don't want to go into the details because I think it would scare you. To be honest with you, it scares me what our church has walked through. And here I stand in this position now. And I've talked to the deacon board about it. And we have decided to get our guard up. We're going to shoot some arrows and we're going to smack some enemies. They know we're coming. But this time we're pushing through. And let me tell you, two services are not our arrival. This is not, we have arrived. No. No. We'll never be done. What we want is we want God's church here. And I don't care how it looks. As long as I know it's what God wants. And God has a perfect picture for church on the hill. And it's not going to look like our neighbors. Some things might look a little bit the same. 
but not exactly. That's what I want. And if it means changing everything that we do, then so be it. What do we care as long as it's what God wants? Is what I want, that what, that's what's so important? Is what you want the, the main focus of where our church is going? No. Unity is all about giving up what you want. Marriage is all about giving up what you want. You want a good marriage? Give it all up. Give everything that you've got to that marriage. And I want you to know you'll have a successful marriage. Doesn't mean we get abused. It means we, with the right heart and love, we give. My marriage is about pleasing my wife and being the husband that she expects me to be. And if she doesn't expect much out of me, being what God expects me to be. But I want you to know she has some pretty stinking high expectations. (laughs) Wives, you should have high expectations out of your man. I'm not kidding. God has high expectations. And he doesn't mess around. The church is called the body of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. It is near and dear to the heart of God. Commitment to Christ is somehow incomplete without the simultaneous commitment to the body of Christ. Do you hear me? Your walk as a Christian is not complete until you get into the body. God's will is clear. You know that he does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. All. Say all. He wants men and women everywhere to come to him and into the church of Jesus Christ. It is God's will that churches grow. And the model church in the New Testament is one in Jerusalem, which is found on the day of Pentecost. You know, they're in the upper room, 120 of them. You know, I'd say probably a little bit more than that. Good example. You know, that nucleus of 120, God added 3,000 to that when they became one. When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and God gave the increase. God gave the increase. They were baptized. They grew in their understanding of Christian doctrine. They worshipped together uh, regularly. They developed relationships. They shared their material goods. They exercised their spiritual gifts. And as a result, the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. This was a healthy church. And one characteristic of a healthy church is growth. Amen? We are never as human beings to stop growing. Never. Now, we eventually get grow our height, our feet stop growing, you know, and we tend to want to grow in the, the, some of the wrong directions. But even though my physical body reaches its, I guess, potential, I'm never to stop growing spiritually or in knowledge or in improving my character in becoming more Christ-like. You want to know whether you've stopped growing or not? Are you like Christ? Do you have room to grow? Are you, have you achieved the character of God? I would hope you would say, no, I haven't quite got there. Good, then you've got room to grow. You've got room to grow. So let's talk about our church. Growth. Um, I don't even know how to do this because this is where I struggle. I'm I'm I, I, I'm good with numbers. I'm good with with uh, I, I'm not good at. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start. When I took over the church, and I'm sorry if you can't see this. Our first month, June of 2005, we averaged 166 total people in this church. 166, average. 
for June 06. By the end of 06, we were averaging 183 on average from June until December of 06, oh, I'm sorry, 05. By 06, we were averaging 212. By 07, 230. By 08, 250. As of 2009, we're at 297. We have almost doubled. Amen. That's not to mention everything that God is doing. This is just numbers. You know, where I see the growth from this point right here, and I've talked to you all about June 2006, 2005, what dire, desperate need we were in financial, with our finances. And I want you to know just as a miracle, through you, God delivered us from day one and has continued to deliver us. He has continued to deliver us. And I'm not going to go into the dire needs that we were in in that time. I've told you all that over and over. But if you can see here, we have had good, steady, healthy growth, not something that got so out of control that we couldn't handle. And I found out this week as dad, my dad and I drove to a, um, to a funeral over in West Tennessee, he said, I've been praying that you don't grow so big that you can't handle it. And I'm like, I didn't tell you this, but I'm with you. I know you're for me, but, uh, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> he, he, is, he is so visionary-minded. It, it, was, it, was, it was the right thing. But you can see what a healthy growth that we've had. Now, if we go and look every month, it started at 100 and, uh, did I say, I don't remember what it was, 166. And you can see it's kind of, but it's, if we could draw a straight line through the average, it would be a straight line up. People are fickle. There's some months in there that, uh, um, that I think there were two snow days somewhere in here. And, you know, and then you kind of hit the uh, summer months and things kind of tend to drop. Now, parking. We are out of parking spaces. There is a rule, and I'm going to be done. There is a rule, there's an 80% rule that, that many um, marketers or growth analyzers will use that once we you achieve 80%, people get uncomfortable. You can see how, how separated everybody likes to sit. If we get to that 80% rule, people will not... Con- it, maybe your growth is, let's say your growth is 25%. When you hit 80%, that growth drops by percentage. Doesn't mean we don't stop growing. I mean, we could still continue growing, but the pace of growth is diminished. Same thing in parking. And not so much that we're so worried about people parking next to each other, but depending on how far they have to park away. Are they willing to walk? Are they willing to search? And we saw when Robert spoke in the, a few weeks after, people drove off because they could not find a parking space. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, let's add some parking spaces. Great idea. But the problem is all we do is get ourselves back to the 80%. We're still right back there. Right now, when we're full, we are at capacity. And I don't know if y'all have noticed, but we restriped the parking lot this weekend. Anybody, anybody notice that? It looks good, doesn't it? These spaces right out here that go into the planner as you come in are all going to be guest parking. Our first time visitors are not going to be looking for parking spaces. Maybe y'all, y'all will be. Our staff are, is parking up at the church office or they should be some of them are parking in the new youth parking that we've striped it and it's gravel it's probably not going to last forever but we're parking up there we're doing everything that we know to do children's church we're averaging close to 40 plus in there every week and i'm i'm sorry to say our facility can't hardly hold it we've had to open up partitions we've had to buy temporary partitions and we're we're busting can you imagine 40 kids in that little space? Let me tell you, they're all jacked up on Mountain Dew and ready to go. You can hear them out there just waiting. Man, we've been sitting in there and those adults, can we please scream? Yeah. Scream. But it's full. You go in our preschool class, it's full. You go in our K through first class, it's full. You look at our Sunday school classes. They're full. Not all of them, but a lot of them. 
we have got some big visions for, for growth for some more Sunday school space and more fellowship space. But I'll tell you, we need more people in this church to help us do it. We as a deacon board about six months ago to a year ago started talking about two services. And it was agreed upon that once we hit this certain number, averaged at least for a month, that we would go, we would at least attempt it and, and go with it. And for January, we reached that number. We didn't see it coming. I hadn't seen the numbers, and we got to a deacon's meeting, and sure enough, there it was. I was already in there because of the Black History Month weekend to say, I don't know if our numbers support it, but we've got to be considering this because we are losing people. We can't afford people to leave. Not for the sake of growing the church, but for their souls. We can't afford for people to leave. That means some change has got to come from us. Here in the sanctuary, we can see, you know, there are, there are some still, we see some empty spaces around. But I want you to know when we hit uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, they're not going to be empty. They're going to be full. They're going to be full. Are we going to have to be a little bit uncomfortable for a time? Yes. Yes. Can I just tell you? We, God, God's going God's to gonna test us. Let me show you a scripture. Again, Dad and I drove across town, across, uh, across the state, and he gave me this scripture. Job 7, you examine me every morning and you test me every moment. Anybody feel like that? And do you know where the nastiest stuff comes from? It comes in church over some of the silliest things. Over some of the silliest things. Why grow? You know, we sent out a letter about the children going into children's church from the beginning of the service. And, you know, to be honest with you, it was my fault. I looked at it from a complete administrator's viewpoint. If y'all don't know this, I'm an administrator. I see it by numbers. I see it by what works best with the flow of our service and, and what's going to happen. I did not consider a parent. <laughs> pastor, how do you not consider the parents in children's ministry? Church, pray for a children's pastor. We need a children's pastor. But I put everything in place, and next thing you know, you know, I, I got some concerns about our children, how much our parents today like our children to be in here to worship with their dads and their moms and to experience offering together and to walk up together and to have some time together. So I came back to Pastor Zach this week and said, fine, why do we want to change who we are? We're already changing so much. Let's not change that. We don't have to change that. So we are just gonna, our, our services are not going to change at all. It's going to be just like this morning went. The only difference is we're going to plant a service at 8.15. We are going to plant a church at 8.15. We're going to enable ourselves to be able to handle more. Not for the sake of just doing more, but because God is growing us. And to make room for God to move. Why grow? Why should we grow? to show improvement, to show fruit, because God is a God of growth, and He will add. He will add. Why not grow? To be comfort, to remain regular. You like, you like, you like being regular? It's as natural as anything else we do. Sometimes we're not regular. It makes for a difficult time. <laughs> to be consistent, to be safe, to be safe. We like to be safe. I'm not saying necessarily that's bad, but when it's time to move, it's time to move. What, what comes in? Fears. What fears happen with growth? You know, I, I, know, I know the complaints. Pastor, we're just going to get too big. We're not going to know anybody. We're going to be a divided church. We're going to ha not have the fellowship that we have now. 
Go to life group. Go to Sunday school. Let me tell you, Sunday school is going to bust loose. And it is going to be the glue that holds the entire fellowship together. People say Sunday school is a thing of the past. I don't think so. I don't think so. We've got to work at getting to know each other. You know our life groups have exceeded our Sunday night service. That's another thing. Come to Sunday night service and come to Wednesday night service. We basically have three church plants already. Sunday night are not the same people that come Sunday morning. We have people that come just on Sunday nights. We have some that just come on Wednesday nights. Amen? Sunday school, life groups. In essence, this is a church plant. (coughs) I want to ask you the question, why are we here? What's our purpose? If we can get our focus back on our purpose, this is not going to be that that big of a deal. I want you to know when you when you hired me, what you committed to. Many of you weren't here, but when I started, I told you the first month I was going to I was going to w- with our deacons I was going to change the name of the church. And I was going to change the government because we didn't know who we were. We were messed up from the top down. We did that. We had an identity crisis. We had a name change. We had a government change. Um, I believe it brought stability. And I believe that those changes that we made were a part of God blessing us financially, amongst other ways that he blessed us. But never have I asked you to really change anything when it comes to the service. Have I? We've started at the same time. We've finished roughly at the same time. We've done roughly the same amount of songs. We've done roughly the same type of songs. We've changed the offering. I will give you that. And let me tell you, that was a little bit to swallow for some. But I like it. But for the most part, what, as your pastor, have I asked you to buy into? What I'm asking you to do is not even buy into me, but to trust God. You are so in need of God to move in your life. And I need, what I would ask you to do in your personal life, trust God. We keep trying to make things. We keep trying to keep these balls in the air, these plates in the air on our own. And God's saying, stop. Trust me. Trust me. I would ask you one question. Do you believe that I desire God's voice in our church? These are things you need to ask as as you serve here in this church. Is the pastor genuinely pursuing God? Can my pastor make mistakes? Yes. Any of you that have worked with me close at all know. But is my heart right? Is my wife's heart right? Is my staff's heart right? And will you go with me? Even though things may get uncomfortable, even though it may be five of us turning around looking at each other and feeling, man, this is is awkward. Is that a lack of trust? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting God to do it from day one. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to serve him. And I'm going to give him everything that I've got. Can you realize that as a staff, this is a risk? (laughs) I'm I'm literally risking my job on God. I'll do that. I don't want to, this is going to sound rough, but I don't want to risk him on you. I want to risk it on him. My hope and my trust is in God. I'm not saying I'm going to lose my job over this, but it certainly could. Anytime you risk something, you, you risk losing something. And I don't want to lose you. Not one of you. Do you believe God can move? You know, I, I, had, a, I had a conversation this week. Even if every church up until this day and two services have made mistakes, I believe God can do it right here. That may sound arrogant. It's not on me. It's on God. 
God can do it. God can do it. Let me close. I want, I want to read you a scripture, Luke 5, and I'm going to close with this one. And I'm sorry I've gone a little bit long. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood, stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their, washing their nets. Then he got into one of those boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. We look in the natural and think, Pastor, we've been fishing all night and haven't caught anything. Pastor, we've been at this all the time and, you know, look around. I don't like this. I don't like the sound of this. Jesus, you're not a fisherman. You're a, you're a carpenter. We've been fishing all night. And you want us to throw our nets out? Jesus says, throw your nets out. Basically, he's saying, trust me. Will you trust me enough just to throw your nets out? I don't really care how you come and what, what you're thinking right now. Just trust me and throw the net out. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinner, a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Church, we don't know everything. We're going to make mistakes. But I can tell you this, I would rather go down trying than not doing anything at all. And something that I was taught by my dad is don't get caught not doing anything. We don't want to be busy work, busy workers wasting our time, but I don't want to be caught standing still. And church, I'm asking you not necessarily just to trust me, but trust God and pray for us. We need your prayer like never before. God is doing so much here and does not want us to come to here and be torn apart. We're not going to get torn apart. I'm kind of asking you to buy into me today. I've been with you almost four years now. And I hope that I've gained your trust. I'm asking you to trust me and I'm asking you to trust God. If you got complaints, come see me. those, Those of you that have talked to me this week, and that complaints is rough, concerns. Please come talk to me. Some of them I've needed to make some changes that we were about to walk into. I'm not so prideful that I won't make the right change. If I am, it's all about me. Ask my staff. I've been more um, change-minded in the last month than I ever. Usually I'm pretty strong. My mom would call me obstinate. That means stubborn. And she didn't say it to me, she said it to somebody else, and I heard that she said it. <laughs> and this was a long time ago, last week. Or, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Church, we can do it. We're going to need you. W- what a great time to be here. What a great time to be here. God has called you here for this moment right here to help us get through this. And let me tell you, to break hell's doors wide open and to not sit here and allow us to keep getting beat up but to start doing what God's called us to do. You know, if we started fulfilling the Great Commission, I believe He will fulfill our problems that we've got going on in our background. I'm a firm believer that when I get on board with God, He takes care of it for me. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Elizabeth and I love y'all. 
We have poured out our hearts here. We are committed here. I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be, even though probably this has been, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and whine, but this has probably been my roughest week. But if, it, if this is as bad as it gets, it'll be all right. God's testing me. That's a good sign. God's testing you. I know since you've even been sitting here, you've had a bunch of thoughts. God's testing you. Church, let's get through it together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for grace and mercy. Lord, I so need mercy. And Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to fill me like never before. And Lord, as a church, we've never been here before. We've come to this crossroads before, but we have never taken this step. And Lord, I just pray for mercy and grace. And Lord, I pray for a miracle. Lord, I pray that you add to the church. We sit here and spin our wheels and try to do everything in our power to grow and to make differences, Lord. But Lord, I put my trust all into you. And I ask you to add as we need to be added to. Lord, I ask that those hearts that are concerned about fellowship and about our field, Lord, Lord, you don't go backwards. You don't, you don't have setbacks. Lord, we just need to buy into you. We need to buy into your word and we need to learn to really trust you. Thank you, Lord. If there is anybody here that does not know Jesus, man, what a great day to get to know Jesus. As in a world that is turning, that is looking so bad, there is hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know it's as simple as just asking. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. And you know what happens? Is your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. That pathway that you've been feeling, that you've been going down the wrong road, no longer is your road Uh, going that direction but that you one day when you breathe your last or when Jesus comes back you will walk the streets of gold and you will be with our our creator would you receive Jesus today those of you that are struggling with trusting God I just encourage you right now just to speak out of your own mouth Lord God I don't know everything that we're to do whether it's in the church or in my life But, Lord, the pastor is asking me to trust you. And, Lord, even though I don't even know how to walk that out, I'm going to speak out of my mouth today. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to seek you. And I ask you to help me. If there are those here that are struggling in your work or in your families or in your marriages or with your children or with your finances or with your church, I want to ask you to walk this aisle and let us pray for you. If my deacons and wives and Pastor Stephen and Lee would come forward. We want to pray with you. I want you to know God has been healing in this church. God has been making breakthroughs in this church. I want you to believe and I want you to step out in faith and we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to believe God to move in your life. Would you do that today? Would everyone stand, please? Just ask you to give your heart to Jesus right now.